0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. I bring you greetings from the Church of the Holy Trinity in New York City. Uh, So many people have come back and forth already in our link relationship that we're still living into. And so I bring you special greetings from those who have been among you and already told me about some of you. Um, Special thanks to uh, Catherine and to Graham for their friendship and collegiality, and especially to the Buckle family for their hospitality, to Victoria and Monica and Ollie, and to Fabian, who we haven't met yet, but who we're especially grateful because we're using his room. (laughs) It is a great joy to be with you. And joy really is the theme of this worship service. It runs throughout all of the readings. Um, In some churches today gets a special name, Gaudete Sunday. Um, Gaudete from from the first word sung by the choir as people come in the church, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, from St. Paul's uh, words to the Philippians. And So joy runs throughout. We heard in those first words of Isaiah notes of joy as Isaiah is speaking to a people who are in exile. They're worn out, they're tired, they're they're longing to go home. And so Isaiah says, God has sent me to you to bring good news good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God. Isaiah goes on and he says, God wants to comfort all who mourn, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. It's a joyful message Indeed, we have a number of options in the church today, whether to use a psalm, uh, Psalm 126, or to use the song of Zechariah that we used here, or to use the song of Mary, um, all of which are joyful songs that sing out to God. Psalm 126 sings to God that our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And of course, the song of Mary the Magnificat is a song of God's promise and power. It's a song of joy. As God uh, does holy reversals on the world, lifts up the lowly, the gospel continues this theme of joy in a slightly different way. In the gospel, joy is almost transformed into light. It becomes more than simple joy. John the Baptist explains that his job is a little like the Virgin Mary's. His job is to magnify, to point to the light, like Graham said, to to point to Jesus, to testify to the light, to bear witness. And so today with the prophets and with Mary, with Zechariah and with John the Baptist, We, too, are invited to do our part in pointing the way and in bearing witness to the love of God and Jesus Christ to share the joy of the good news. But that's not always easy, is it? One of the collects, the prayers that we might have used today, prays that God would give us courage to speak the truth, to hunger for justice and to suffer for the cause of right with Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are holy, noble things, but it's hard stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Whether we do it with or without Jesus, to speak the truth, to hunger for justice, to suffer for the cause of right, that's hard. That's not what we always sign up for or want to do. And yet that's the very place, isn't it? That's the very deep, holy place, the place of the cross where true joy can be found, where true joy is lived and loved. The 20th century priest and writer, Henry Nouwen, talks about the difference between happiness and joy. I've been talking about this with a parishioner recently, as as she's mentioned to me that she doesn't find as much joy in one of our services. And I've been confused by that, because I find tremendous joy in that service. But it makes me wonder if, perhaps, we're talking about different things. Henry Nouwen helps me get to that a little bit. Nouwen suggests that while happiness often depends on external, outward conditions, that joy is something different. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, even death, can take that love away. Joy has to do with that experience of knowing we are unconditionally loved and nothing can take that away. And if you haven't heard it recently or have forgotten it, let us all hear, we are unconditionally loved and nothing, nothing can take that away. That's the source of our joy. Um, I want to be happy. I want you to be happy. Happiness is a gift from God. But joy is a quality that runs much deeper, I think. Joy is something that grows within each of us with the Spirit of God. And so it's with joy that each of those voices speaks to us from Scripture today. Isaiah can, can be upset, can be angry, can be mournful for the people of Israel, and yet there is a joy to what he says, because he knows that God's goodness will win in the end. The psalmist can weep all night, but have some joy that morning will come, even through tears. The Blessed Virgin Mary can enjoy every moment with her Son and Savior even though she senses that there is a sadness that might result in his death on the cross. Today December 17th happens to be the third Sunday of Advent for us, but whether it's a Sunday or not in the Church of England's calendar, it's a day for commemorating a woman named Eglantine Jeb. Maybe some of you know her name, and you may know her story much better than I. But Eglantine Jebb was born in 1876, and she worked on behalf of a number of progressive causes. She was always getting into trouble for God and for good. And especially after World War I, she felt called to act especially on behalf of children in war-torn areas, especially in Germany and Austria because she could see that those children in particular, children and their families were hurt like in every war by that war and its aftermath and the blockade by the allied forces. She set a day to raise money at Royal Albert Hall, and she was arrested for her efforts because this was going directly against the the wishes of the British government, but she persisted and she overcame objections. She raised a lot of money. (laughs) And so with her sister, that began the beginning of the organization we know as Save the Children, that organization that put forth a declaration of the rights of the child, which was approved by the League of Nations and later approved by the United Nations. Even when people ignore it, it stands as a guide, as a reminder of what every child deserves, of of the life that every child ought to have, That organization, Save the Children, continues to flourish. Many of us know it well. But just last year, it reached 157 million children in 120 different countries. I think we can safely say that Eglantine Jeb prepared the way for joy. She made it possible that there would be tremendous joy for children, for millions of children and their families, and for all those along the way who might be enriched or magnified in the process. But what's especially interesting to me about Eglantine Jeb is that she herself was not always joyous. (laughs) She suffered from a thyroid condition and had at least three different painful surgeries. She died at the age of 52. She loved writing and wrote novels and never could get a single one published, even though she had some money and a big family and a lot of connections. She was, uh, as they say, unlucky in love. (laughs) And she even writes about how she didn't feel particularly drawn to children. And yet, look what she did. She followed her heart, she followed the way of God, and she prepared the way for tremendous joy to to continue to reverberate long after her life. She prepared the way. One key to joy, I think, is remembering what Eglantine Jeb must have known deep down, that it's our job to prepare, just to prepare. The ultimate joy belongs to God to shower and to shine forth. And so we work and we pray and we hope we do our part, but then we have to let go. We have to rest in faith and watch and hope because it's God's work to finish and to unfold, especially in the season. I think we can remember this and it can give us heart. It's our job to prepare. Look at our own busy lives. We can cook a roast and all the other food and set a perfect table and have everything exactly right, but that doesn't exactly ensure that people will get along or that the conversation will go well or that anyone will enjoy the time they spend together. I can only do my part and then I have to let go. I can shop and plan and think hard and give a gift to someone. I can't control their reaction, can I? I can simply prepare and then let go. We can prepare our children for the world as best we can, but we can't control the way they turn out or what obstacles or challenges they may meet in the future. We can prepare our bodies as best as we can for aging and for stress, but there's a point where we have to give it all over to doctors and science and God's healing in God's own good time. And then when we think about our church, the church, we can pray and we can give sacrificially. We can, can clean and care and volunteer and sing and serve. We can volunteer and do all those things till we collapse. But in the end, it's going to be God's Spirit who revives and grows the church. And so, especially in this season, we can prepare. We can prepare with the tenacity of John the Baptist. We can prepare with the hope and the joy of the Virgin Mary we can work with the joy of Eglantine Jeb, and we can do our part in preparing for the joy of this Christmas and the love of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that we have a lot to do. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.